What's up, man? Man, how's it going? It's going great. Early morning, ready to get to it. Let's get it. Okay, so everyone, welcome back to Talks Against the Grain, where we have your two hosts, Jeffton and Trutha. And so today we're going to jump right into it, and we're going to start talking about legislating morality. Let's get it. So Bradley, kick us off, man. What do you think? What are your thoughts on legislating morality? So this is kind of a follow-up to the conversation we had when we were talking about uh, children's autonomy and choosing their gender. So I think a lot of Christians have an issue with some of the uh, areas of morality they feel legislation has had an impact on. So whether it be gay marriage, whether it be uh, this whole conversation of public schools teaching, you know, queer theory or teaching like uh, LGBTQ history, so on and so forth. And so with these conversations on legislating morality, I think the tough part for a Christian is to understand the separation between church and state is a, a very vital part of this country. Like that was a huge deal in us having religious freedom, but then Understanding from the perspective, too, that the people that put that separation in place were Christians. They did have an understanding of God, but they understood how government and corruption could really impact uh, faith and really get in the way of the freedoms of Christians and all religions, for that matter. But long story short, they were biased. <laughs> a lot of people were biased when they put in that separation between church and state in that they had a Christian bias to them. So they never probably intended some of the things that have been passed, like especially abortion to be passed. Now, don't get me wrong. There are, believe it or not, there are some positives in not legislating morality in a sense that there sometimes is a greater good. And that's where it gets kind of difficult for me. So like, for example, um, you have the conversation of like prohibition and an abortion where these things were legalized. And of course, Christians, we go into uproar. I mean, this is before me being born. It's obviously with prohibition and then definitely with Roe versus Wade. But what a lot of people don't account for in these conversations, and I'm not saying that you can't still have a perspective of disagreement, but when you talk about legislating morality, you will oftentimes ignore a lot of societal realities because we don't, we may live in a country where we say in God we trust or it says that on the dollar but this isn't really a Christian nation from top to bottom it has Christian origins in some of the doctrines and some of the uh approaches of the founding fathers but this isn't really a Christian nation and it does there is that separation but to go on um because this isn't a Christian nation, as a result, not all of the not all of the ways of Christians is going to work equally or be used equally because not everybody is following the word of God. So, for example, it's like Moses, where Moses put into place the ability for people to get a, have a divorce. That was never God's intent. Jesus didn't co-sign divorce and the Pharisees were shocked. They're like, Moses put that into place. What are you saying? And he was like, he did that because of the condition of the children of Israel. And similarly, we deal with a lot of these things when it comes to legislation of morality, where because of the condition of Americans before, you know, before alcohol was legalized, 
many people were bootleggers. They had bootleggers, people selling it. People were still able to access it, similar to marijuana. People were still able to access it. It was no regulation. It was more deaths from it, more crime. That's what brought in a lot of the mafias was prohibition because there wasn't legalized alcohol. You had the mafias, you had the crime that was rampant. And we're not talking about you know, African-Americans doing crime. We talk about white Italian folks. You're talking about a whole bunch of people doing mass crime and mass mafia work all because of that. But when they legalized it, we began to see that mafia dispel. We saw crime decrease as a result of it, similar to abortion. Abortion, before that was legislated, people were still doing abortions illegally and women were dying and people were, you know, it was a lot of complications as a result of illegal abortions that were happening. And I'm not co-signing illegal activity, but what I'm saying is in a fallen country and world that we live in, as a result of these things that I'm stating, there is an argument that if you legislate morality, you may get worse outcomes as a result. And it's not, and that's why I'm not a politician because I couldn't be in the shoes of the yeah. politicians that we do have. But those are just some things I want to put out. I got more to say, but I want to pass it to you. Yeah, I, I think, so how I'm understanding you, it's sort of like the concept of People are more apt into rebelling than they are to just actually taking heed to the law. So, like, if the law is nobody can get an abortion, well, guess what? They're going to go in the back alleys mm -hmm. and get an abortion anyway. So I can understand that ideology and, and um, uh, you know, like with Roe v. Wade and, um, you know, certain legislations like that, more people were more apt into getting abortions. Um, and, and, you know, when, when people enforce strict, stricter laws, more people are more susceptible mm -hmm. into doing those things, however they find a way to do it. Now, the question then comes, what is moral? What is mm -hmm. morality? Whose morality should we be following? Whose you know, principles, whose commandments, whose statutes? Is it mine? Is it yours? Because guess what? There are people out there whose moralities are not synced up with an mm -hmm. average person. You know how, you know what I mean? And so guess what? Right. A lot of politicians aren't even considered average people. Why? Because they live way beyond, uh, you know, with their finances are, are way beyond even just an average person. So they're in the small percentage of people mm -hmm. who aren't even considered average. So I sell it out to say, whose moralities are we going to be following? Is it mine? Is it yours? Is it all of ours? Because if it's all of ours, well, then... Uh, you know, we've got, you know, just sickos out there who, you know, just believe that it is right to be with little children. It is right mm -hmm. to marry little ones. And so, I mean, when speaking on morale, whose morale are we taking heed to? And, and that's the question I'm going to ask you. Mm. That's a very good question. And it just depends on who you ask. And that's why this isn't as black and white as probably many of our Christian brothers and sisters or some may think. And that's what makes it difficult. It's not a black and white conversation because one would argue that this country was founded on uh, Christian principles and was founded on God. But it would, that's kind of a, it, it, I can see that God can use the, the different things that were put into place. Like God can still use the things that were meant for evil and turn them for good. But like, I find a hard time, to, I have a hard time believing that 
our founding fathers were really Christians because they all practiced slavery and man stealing. And that's a grave sin. And they were very unapologetic. It was a part of their lifestyle. It's what built the country. So I don't believe this country was founded solely. It has Christian principles embedded within it, which is great because God, I believe God still uses a lot of that to this day. So it did pave the way for God to work in the future. But with that being said, because you can pick apart that aspect of it, you can't just say that it should be Christian values, although that would be my preference because it's funny how the Bible works. There are people who don't even believe in Jesus or who don't honor Jesus in their life, but they do honor principles in the Bible and they see fruit. There are people who don't necessarily believe in Jesus, but still tithe and are still blessed because they're doing Christian principles. Can you believe that? Isn't that crazy to think? Mm-hmm. And I've heard people, many people say, yeah, the Christian way, like abstinence, all these things. I believe in the values. I just don't know if I necessarily know if Jesus is God, so on and so forth. But there's many people who reap the benefits of the faith and the belief system and the principles, even though they may not be of the faith. So with all that being said, though, just to quickly answer, I don't know who's. So it's going to be an amalgamation. It's going to be some type of combination of what makes sense at the given times? There was a time where on both sides, whether it's Democrat or Republican, both looked down and frowned upon um, gay marriage. They frowned upon queerness. It was not a lifestyle that was to be normalized. And both parties have reversed. And now Republican, the Republican Party doesn't speak to it, but they are to they can't speak against it, but they don't speak for it either. They just don't speak on it. Where but the Democrats are very much, they have definitely uh, in a sense, at you know, grown in that regard, and they are very much for pushing agendas that pertain to that com- that uh, community. So, all that being said, it's always changing. It's always changing. I even believe there'll be a time where people look back at abortion and I'm like, man, that was so archaic. We used to kill babies, so on and so forth. But man, there isn't really a good answer that I can give you for that. You know what else I thought of? Um, What about like other countries? They've completely legalized drugs for that matter. Mm -hmm. I I mean, you know, when you have people with varying morales, it it becomes a slippery slope. And that's why I always bring it like you have heard me say that I believe that this while, you know, they had their flaws in believing in slave, you know, in having slaves, I truly believe the founding fathers came over here with godlike principles. And I believe the country has thrived because of these godlike principles. Now, listen to this. Listen to my reasoning for, for this. We have been blessed as a country. We've been blessed to have one of the best militaries. And I'm not going to go on that that tangent here, but I'm just trying to say when we go down slopes like other countries where you could do drugs, let's just say we could do drugs. We could have prostitutions. We can literally live like Sodom and Gomorrah. We can do this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that even like you mentioned, our elected officials, there is a certain level of like like people who may not walk in the ways of Jesus, but take heed to biblical principles. Now, what should that tell us? That that tells me that at the end of the day, somehow, some way, mm-hmm. even the people who don't say even the people who say they don't believe in Jesus and walk in his ways and may or may not consider themselves a Christians at the end of the day, they're running to a final authority. And that final authority is the Bible. And if you're a Christian, you know that the Bible is your final authority. So why is it that 
people can take the name out of Jesus. They could say this, this, that, and the other about Christian principles. They could say no. Uh, one may say no, the, the, the country was not founded on Christian principles. But then at the end of the day, they may allow queer, the LGBTQ and a, uh, a group to thrive. But at the end of the day, they're probably more than likely not going to allow a sicko to be with a child. Why? Because according to a lot of people's morales, that is sick. Right. I'm not here to try to push, you know, the the small few that are sick like that. But I think at the end of the day, these somewhat level headed officials will at the end of the day fall back on whether we want to call it Christian or not. They will fall back on Christian principles. And that is why I cannot see why legislating a completely Christian uh, a, a morale system within our government is wrong. And that's why you will always hear me preach theocracy, because um, I just feel it to be the greatest. Now, mm -hmm. So your point earlier about, you know, uh, the pros and cons of, you know, allowing people to not have, you know, religious morals within our governing system. Um, I, I think that it, it, it leads to the confusion that was some of the confusion that we see in today's society. Now, I think it leads to a lot of that. I think it leads to allowing people so many freedoms to the point where. And guess what, man? The gen our, our generation is changing. Our world is changing. People's thoughts mm -hmm. are changing. People are not even interactive with people anymore. I mean, everything is super yeah. social, a uh, cyber social. And I, I mean, it's just our world is changing so much. Robots. I mean, eventually they're going to have mm -hmm. a capacity of a mindset. Well, what is their mindset? You know what I mean? It's just it's just craziness going on in the world. And I just yeah. I don't see the harm in saying that. OK, well, whatever we, we call it Christian. I, I guess I do see it because you can offend a different uh, a faith group like you can offend the, um, the Muslim faith group. You can offend, you know, the Hinduism faith group. I get that part of it. But at the end of the day, I think these people truly fall back on Christian principles, whether they mm -hmm. say it or not. There's some overlap in a lot of the primary faith um, or I would say primary religions. So we would probably see eye to eye, eye to eye in a lot of morality conversations. In some ways, they may be even more extreme in some regard. But let me speak to what you just said, because it's one of those situations where I look at it a little bit differently because I don't look at it just from a standpoint of legislating the Christian values, which we have seen as work. I look at it from a standpoint of how imperfect we are and there being enough safeguards for there to be, I hate the word tolerance, so I don't want to say tolerance, but there to be enough both grace and opportunities for uh, us to coexist with people that are different. And so one of the issues that we've had, a lot of people focus on specifically gay marriage when it comes to the aspect of like LGBTQ and so on and so forth. But the part that people don't focus on, or in, in abortions, the people focus on the abortion aspect of Roe versus Wade. But what a lot of other people don't look at is the bigger things. And this is, this is what pushed the envelope on these topics. It wasn't just gay marriage. It was the equal treatment of people from that community, from those different communities. It, that's what was lacking in a lot of ways. And so... In their eyes, there was a level of oppression, and there was where, I mean, we all have experiences. I mean, we know growing up how we used to talk about people who weren't gay 
who we had no clue. Just how that was the ultimate evil, wrong thing to be growing up. Someone called you gay. That was the worst insult because it was the most, you know, condemning of an insult you could get is to be gay or queer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just so, just that mindset alone should let you know how people who actually did assume that identity, identity, whether it be sinful or not in our eyes, it just gives us a clearer view of how majority of society viewed them and how oppressive that can be and how restrictive that can be. And so there was a lot of discrimination. So a lot of legislation pertaining to them, it's coupled in with uh, discrimin- making sure that they're not discriminated against, that they're protected under the law. And so not to, I don't compare it to the civil rights movement because it's not the same, but there is an aspect of giving equal rights. And I do believe that regardless if you're gay, lesbian, you're transgender, transsexual, so on and so forth, I do believe you should still have equal opportunity and equal rights just as much as I would want equal rights as an African-American. You know, what you do with those equal rights and free will, and that's kind of what the bigger biblical topic is, the conversation on free will. And if God gives us free will, and if I'm not doing harm to anyone, Good point. Should we really have an issue with what society does if they're not doing any harm? Now, the reason why pedophilia was would be a bigger issue, and this is the what the that this is why that comparison is much more dangerous, is because majority of the cases of pedophilia that you see are crimes. That's a crime versus and that. So when you draw those parallels in that way. You're calling something that they wouldn't, the people of the LGBTQ&A, so on and so forth, plus they wouldn't call their lifestyle a crime. And I don't think any of us would call, we may disagree with it because we are heterosexual, we are Christian men, and we are Christians as a body of Christ. But just because we disagree doesn't mean that we feel like their lifestyle is a crime, per se, whereas pedophilia is a straight up crime. And I get that. I get that perspective. Um, I understand. Like I mentioned, you know, why? Why not? Why? If God gives us free will, why can't we give people the free will to do what they want to do? And they did and, have that, to be honest. And that, and that was a case because you used to marry. I mean, people marry a 14 year old. It was times you can marry, you know, in some there was a time where you could do that. And they put these laws into place for pedophilia exactly. to protect. It was to protect, though, because pedophilia, but for the functioning of our country. Look, I get it. God gave us free will. But guess Mm -hmm. what? There still needs to be a governing system. If not, I agree. God's governing system. Well, people will have to govern the system. And with people come weirdo ideas. So, yeah, I I would I would love the idea of having this free will. um, Do you know, I'm not going to say do as you will, because that is a bad quote from someone that I Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm opposites of, but anyway, sorry. Um, I I want the idea of having free will to for everyone, but unfortunately, it's hard to do that because my free will may consist of going mm-hmm. to Target every day and stealing something and not having any consequences attached to it. My free will may come as you know, you know, people look at things so warped at times. I mean, and. You know why? And if, for example, someone a, a a Rastafarian or someone who's like a weed enthusiast. I don't know. I'm throwing mm-hmm. this out there. They may have argued, well, for the longest, marijuana was a crime. You know what I mean? And and we've looked at it like that. Well, now we're becoming more laxed in you know a lot of things. I don't know. I for, I haven't looked it up recently, but I think at this point in a lot of states, weed has been legalized and. Yeah. 
So, yeah, it, it wasn't pedophilia is a crime. But, you know, I mean, eventually I would imagine these groups will start rising up and start saying, well, why? That is my sexual preference, yeah. just like a lesbian sexual preference, just like uh, a gay, a, any gay person's sexual. But my sexual preference is to be with a child. And I'm not trying to give them, you know, case here. I'm just yeah. trying to. I know it because I've already seen articles years and years ago about these things. I've seen mm -hmm. real life doctors uh, um, preach this idea of pedophilia. I've seen, you know, people, there are small groups. You just may not see them in our media because we still have some decent human beings in our world today who, yeah, they're, they're saying that those are crimes. So I'm just saying it, it's one of the agree. things we get to talk about is a legislating morality. I mean, you know, and so my thoughts are, I think there should be a governing system. It yeah. seems that your thoughts is, yeah, there should be a governing system, but with more of an idea of, with the perspective of it being free will. And, you know, so. Yeah, I think we, we come to a similar conclusion. It's just how that, what that looks like is probably what the difference is. So like, for me, it looks like having checks and and I think that's the same thing you're saying. We need checks and balances. So yeah, we we there should be equal opportunity and equal treatment from people in these communities. But are you doing and my the line that I draw is are you doing harm to someone else or something that someone else may value? So like in the conversation of abortion, the reason why I draw the line there is if it were mute one, if it were I would be more and I'm not saying I agree, I would agree with it per se with this, it would be more I would probably be more open to understand abortion if it could be mutual. But the fact that a woman can just decide it and it's become a matter of a woman's you know, rights to their body, as opposed to it being a mutual decision, that's where I get uncomfortable personally, because it's like, OK, if I, me as the man, I wanted to keep the baby. I don't have any say so in that. And I get it's not my body, but I have no say so in something I helped to create. That I don't feel comfortable with that idea. So if that were different and it had to be mutual, meaning you could not go through an abortion without the uh, consent. And I don't know how that. I get the other argument for that, too. I've heard it, too. But it just it seems very uncomfortable that you can make a decision that doesn't just impact you, but it impacts the person that you created the child with inside of you. So I that's where, again, that line gets crossed where it's like, okay, now you're impacting something that has to do with me. And that can also extend to married couples, like with both of our wives. If they get pregnant and decide they want to have an abortion, guess what? You have, it might not be healthy for our marriages, but they we have no say so. They can just do it legally. Right. And yeah. I don't know if I agree completely with that. I don't think that there are nearly enough checks and balances. And so we need Christians in the conversations talking and giving some of their pushbacks and trying to make these things. Like, I think you can legalize certain things and find ways to do it in a way where people have their own. The libertarian argument is let people make decisions for themselves. So if they're going to do drugs, like they can legalize crack, heroin, all these opioids, and you and I are not going to do them. No matter what. Even if it's legal. So there is an argument that free will should be a case, but there needs to be checks and balances. In my but, but who knows? Because uh, me and you may not, but will our kids' kids do it? Because guess yeah. what? All they've ever known their whole life, you know, and we don't we'll have to continue on that. We'll jump to our next subject here soon. But, yeah. you know, will our kids' kids do it? Because guess what? Mm -hmm. uh, it's legal. It's there. It's normalized. It's on their TVs. It's on their cell phones. It's on their laptop. I mean, will our kids' kids do it? And that's, 
you know, it gets into this whole deep f- philosophical conversation, but it, yeah. it's it's always it's a good conversation, though. Exactly. All right. Moving on. Systemic racism from a Christian worldview. Um, Bradley, systemic racism. My my idea and my thoughts of systemic racism racism has always. Well, let me take that back. It has not always been there as far as like my personal opinions and thoughts on it. It wasn't until I grew into the man that I've become that I started to learn more about the subtle, um, about the, uh, you know, systemic racisms that are in place in today's society. I truly believe that a lot of it is subtle. I truly believe that a lot of it has to do with trickling Mm -hmm. effects that have happened since way back in time. Um, what is the name of that book? Uh, not the wealth gap, the the color of law or something like that. Um, and, and it pretty much just talks about the wealth disparity amongst blacks uh, compared mm-hmm. to whites. And it, it's one of those things where it's not that the, those that the powers that be um, in today's society have purposely stopped blacks from having things. But we can't say that about laws in times past. Um, laws in times past have shown us that blacks did not have the equal opportunity to yeah. go out and get mortgage loans, wherein a white family could have went out and got a mortgage loan and bought a house for, I don't know, back in those days, maybe $10,000. Well, you buy a home for $10,000, you give it to your grandkids. Mm-hmm. Now that house is worth three, you know, you know, give it to your great, great, great grandkids. Now that house is worth $600,000, $1,000,000 on Jersey Shore. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Throwing things numbers out there but that gives a fascinating head start that gives a Huge. you know a crazy head start to our white brothers and sisters and that is why the topic at hand systemic racism still is talked on today because there needs to be a way where we can level the playing fields. There needs to be a way where um, the powers that be are not just one color. I I truly believe that there needs to be a way where people are looked at as equal. I feel that that's what MLK fought for. I feel that that's what a lot of civil rights activists have Mm -hmm. fought for. And we have tried many ways. We have tried the the nice way. We have tried the the Mm -hmm. old next way you know the black panther yeah. way right many ways but i think i think <laughs> you know i'm always gonna bring it back to my christian worldview on things on. i think that we need to try jesus we've been trying politics for this thing man folks been trying politics folks been trying sports folks been trying to get into the olympics folks been trying to write books look i think we need to try jesus now black folks my black bros and sis, we need to try Jesus now, right? Because nothing else is working. Politics isn't working. News isn't working. Owning your own black news media source. I know that's the common thing today is, you know, that's not, mm-hmm. we need to try Jesus. So uh, Bradley, what are your thoughts on systemic race? And I, I know I threw out just a, a few instances on my thoughts and, you know, mm-hmm. but what, what what's some of your thoughts? All right. Yeah. You made some valid points. Um, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think just to speak for the black and African-Americans that feel like, man, we've been trying Jesus since we were slaves, even not even having a full understanding of the Bible. They had a slave Bible. We've been trying Jesus and yet things still aren't the way we want them. Well, I think that's a legitimate concern 
from the church, at least the black segment of the church, because they feel like they've been doing it. And it's not that they disagree in Jesus. Some have lost the faith as a result of this. But I do think there's a level. And this is where I think we can really grow in the conversation is if those watching who may not agree that there is systematic racism really take some time. I don't think we really get good history. I mean, most history we get is it positions white people to look like heroes. And when there's topic of slavery and racism, Jim Crow and all that stuff comes up, it's like a quick, you know, well, we had some in in all this glory that we have in American history. You know, we have this one black guy here. We have this one mistake that we made in that slavery. So please forgive us. And that's kind of it. And we talk about that for one month and then Mm -hmm. that's kind of it. And then we go back to Abraham Lincoln and we go to all the president, Woodrow and all the different presidents and stuff and all the different American histories and the victories and the things and whatnot. But what I'm, the point that I'm getting to is when we talk about systematic racism, if you're going to make the bold claim, there is no systematic racism. Tell me when the systematic racism in when did it end in this country? Give me the exact date. Give me the exact policy legislation and show me where it ended. And what I'll say is you can look at it and the civil rights bill that was put into place was not the end of systematic racism. It was maybe the start at beginning to ratify and put legitimate consequences in place for people who still wanted to discriminate against people because of race, but there Mm -hmm. were still laws that were indeed racist. And so that's when when we talk about systematic racism, the conversation does boil down to, okay, well, if there is systematic racism, like the question shouldn't be whether or not there is, it should be how much systematic racism still plagues our laws and legislation, so on and so forth. So we have to analyze it from that framework. And so the most, even if you look at certain things, like I think it was the state of Alabama, and I talked about this before, but I think it was in the year 2000 where interracial marriage was legal. Like that was the year 2000. I was, I want to say seven years old. Jefton was probably 10. Like we were kids and we were nearing, like he, Jefton was nearing teenage years when interracial marriage was legalized. And so that's a big deal. And that's just one of many. The crime bill, I believe, was brought into place in 1994. And I do understand that that was primarily, and I don't look at it as Democrat or Republican, but that was primarily pushed by Democrats. And there were people in the African-American community that were pushing hard for there to be more help. And they weren't pushing for the harsh mistreatment of African-Americans, but they were pushing for something to be done to deal with the crime in those communities. And the crime bill ended up being another example of systematic racism. And Joe Biden wrote that. And so many others had their role in it. And as a result of that crime bill, it created a huge disparity between uh, different drugs, so on and so forth. Like it just began, the disparity went crazy. And the time that you would do for certain things was just off the wall. And so there are clear examples that we have of systematic racism that affect it specifically because black people didn't do drugs at a rate that was just out of the world that no other race did. But blacks and whites do drugs at about the same similar rate. But, you know, black people were criminalized 
for their illegal drug use at a much higher rate, which is what causes a lot of dysfunction. And me and you both know, I mean, actually, let me take that back. You might not understand it nearly as much, but you had, you know, you were raised in a household with both parents, but I didn't have my dad in my household, not because of the crime bill, but not having that father in your life and having that extra provider makes a huge difference in a lot of areas of your life. It makes a huge difference not having your father around. And I guarantee you that if there were more fathers in a lot of these children's lives, and there is a self-responsibility aspect, we got to understand what call, what was the root cause? What played a big fact? Was it criminalizing people off drugs? Because a lot of, I, a great percentage of black men and women that are in jail are not in jail because of violent offenses, but they're in jail because of nonviolent drug offenses. And they were hmm. criminalized and given 30 years sent life sentences for having drugs or selling drugs in a deprived communities that as a result of systematic racism, again, there are communities that don't have nearly the level of resources and access that they need. So what what it all boils down to just for me, I'm saying this all now. I'm gonna let you chime in in just a second and get your thoughts on this. But I'm saying all of this just to lay the framework that I don't believe in equal outcomes. I don't want you to give me the same outcome that a CEO of a company has or that the person at the top or the richest, the 1% has. I don't want you to hand me that. Although I do think there's a case for reparations, but I'm not asking for you <laughs> to hand me the outcome. But I am asking for government to give equal access, equal opportunity to be able to quote unquote, you know, lift ourselves up by the bootstrap, that equal opportunity, because there still is an equal opportunity. There still is a huge difference <clears throat> in that regard. And so, but from a Bible perspective, when we're talking about as a church, from a Christian worldview, it is very biblical for us to understand. The Bible talks about systems. It talks about that when it talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. That gives the nod to systems of oppression. There is clear systems that are out. If we believe as Christians, there are systems of oppression for COVID. How can you not believe in systematic racism then by that same token? There's systematic oppression of the church when it comes to COVID, but there ain't systematic racism? What? That's mm. that's a wild thought process. And to me, one sounds like a bigger reach than the other. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not trying to take shots at anybody, but it seems like a bigger reach to say there's a systematic attempt of oppression toward the church than it is to say that there's systematic racism. Much bigger reach, in my opinion. But I agree. I can hear both sides and find truth in it. But I'm not going to dismiss systematic racism all because I believe because I'm a white person and I'm a nice white person and I'm not this, that they just couldn't exist or that there's no way that there's something in place that prevents these people. I think the argument from the other side and in, in believing that there is no systemic racism is they want proof because mm -hmm. in numbers um, and what their stats have told them because they can't live this life themselves because they're not black. And what their stats have told them is, well, the, the mi minorities have increased salaries and wages within the past so many such and such years, you know, and, and what they don't understand is, um, and, and they'll also bring up, well, Jews were enslaved, enslaved as well. And look at them now. They're doing just fine. Um, but what they're not taking into consideration is um, the the just the and because and I get it. I, I, I well, I try to understand from their perspective. 
I, I feel that a lot of them also look at the bad apples within the black community and they say, well, you, you give mm-hmm. them a reparation. Well, they're going to go buy it. Like you seen the Chappelle show. They're going to go buy a cigarette <laughs> truck and, uh, and go smoke up, you know, and go to the hood <laughs> and just act crazy. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. there's a few bad apples that give off that representation to the black community. And there's also a bunch of sellouts within the black community that have literally become rich, but will never become wealthy because they're not putting their money where their mouth is and um i i can and so to those people that say that there are no systemic racisms i would say well read the book the color of law i mentioned that earlier it talks about the wolf disparity and speaks on certain years when uh, blacks could actually go out and purchase homes, you know, legally with a mortgage without having to go, you know, loopholes. And there's a movie called The Banker. And it's about these two black real estate agents. I think it's on Apple TV. Um, And it talks about how these two black individuals had to go through so many loopholes just to purchase property. And they had the money. Mm -hmm. They had they had the money. They were buying it, but they had to go through so many systemic you know, you know, loopholes to make their company run. And a bunch of it had to do with them hiring white people to be the face of their, their, their branch, their company. And so to those people that don't understand systemic racism, just look up, man. And just think like black folks aren't super crazy. Like how you deem them to be. There are some intelligent black folks that can speak to certain. See, the thing is, y'all, we've been, you know, we've been enlightened. We didn't got our hands on a bunch of books. You didn't came too late to try to deter us otherwise. And so to our white bros and sis, you must understand that one, there is a wealth disparity mm-hmm. that is going to be something we must address. And that is why during this election, you've seen so many black people talking about plans for the black community. Well, why are they talking about plans for the black community? Because they realize if they could establish a more solidified community mm-hmm. within black within the black black folks that we could be more established and get to certain things have banks have different you know whatever it was in these plans that we seen from ice cube and that we seen from these black pastors and <laughs> that we see from people that were persecuted from talking to the president um we see these things because there is indeed a crisis going on within the black community um and so um, I, I know we also wanted to talk about that. You talked a lot about that crime bill, Bradley. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and you even mentioned how a lot of black people, um, you know, were attached to that. They thought it was all good because they seen drugs in their community and any level headed person that's not on drugs wants to get drugs out of their community. Mm-hmm. So they're going to reach out to the powers that be starting with their local, you know, officials, blah, blah, blah. And then moving up all the way into, um, federal, federal laws. And so they're like, man, there's drugs in the community to get it out by any means necessary. Just take it out. And so I could see how things got haywire and how a lot of black folks ended Mm -hmm. up in drugs. And so, you know, I can see within the next few months, years, potentially a lot of uh, petty offenses for black folks um, that are in jail that that were like like you mentioned, non 
um, criminal or not non-criminal, but non-violent uh, petty drug offenses. I can see them being released. And that's a start. Mm-hmm. That's a start in recognizing that there are people that have been put in jail for having a half a blunt or, uh, uh, you know, just, you know, maybe a half a blunt and they said something crazy to the cop. And next thing you know, they in jail for years. Now they got to defend themselves in jail. And I mean, y'all didn't see the movies, y'all didn't read the books. And so there is a piece that we need to talk about. Um, and I can't quite understand why these smart people, um, our white brothers and sisters who are so super smart that they yeah. cannot that um, because I believe that they'd rather push a propaganda. They'd rather push their own, um, you know, biases um, because that is what a lot of one party does. They'll push their own biases and, um, you know, ways of thinking so that um, they could turn blind eyes on people that are uh, being effective because they're not being affected by it. Yeah. So from, from a Christian perspective, for all the Christians out there, whether you're black or white, there's some black people who foolishly <laughs> don't believe in systematic racism. But what I'll say is this. I'll say not everybody's racist. Not everything is racism. Just because I believe that there is systematic racism doesn't mean that I'm a victim or that I've lived my life as such. I've lived a great life. I've probably experienced much less racism than most of my black friends and buddies that I've had known throughout life. I probably experienced the least amount of racism in my, at least that I was aware of. And so I've had a good life. That hasn't been an excuse for holding me back. It hasn't held me back nearly to the degree that it may have held back others, but I still speak out against it. I still believe it and I see it and I've seen it happen to people right around me, but it doesn't mean that everything is racism, but I do see the impacts of systemic things that are that are in place that don't afford black people the equal opportunity and in fact discriminate against them and already have preconceived notions like i mean several things like you can just look throughout there were news reports of people being discriminated against because their dreads wasn't considered a hairstyle that is professional so they didn't get certain jobs or they there was a kid that had to cut his dreads off to yeah. attend a school because that wasn't their standard of whatever. It was just it's just a lot of and and you can argue that situation wasn't race related because it was a it was a regulation that was put in place for all the students there, but it wasn't emphasized nearly to the degree that it could have been. And he had been at the school all that time leading up to that, and they waited to the most weirdest time. Or like even like the wrestling match guy where the guy had to cut his hair in the middle of a match. Mm-hmm. Like it was just some just really and then that ju- that uh that uh referee ended up being let go. Like it was just just weird old stuff. Like like it's sin. You can clearly see the sin, but it doesn't make. We're not saying that it isn't. The sin is not. You know, you know. So we're, supp- we're supposed to be impartial, and the sin is partiality. And that sin operates on a systemic level where there are people who intentionally, I do believe that there are people who intentionally have a certain view, calling black people super predators, who have a view of our communities and people within them as uh, subhuman or less than. And as a result of that, they they still have to hold those views and want to maintain the power to keep a person down. There are people like that and we've seen it. And I do think it becomes systemic when those people have a large voice in our political system. Mm-hmm. Good talk, man. 
Moving on to the next topic. Does a president's character matter? And I would say <laughs> it does, obviously, because no matter how good of a president, no matter what policies you push, no matter <laughs> if those policies help your own people, uh, 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 because of a man's character, you will be sent out of office so fast. And I think we are seeing that, especially today um, with our current president, President Trump. I think we are seeing um, how a person's character can assassinate him. I mean, I've never seen a president tweet as much um, uh, on what's on his mind. Oh, man. Here's another thing. We don't mention this so often. But if President Obama would have had pulled half of what President oh, Trump, let's just be real here. I mean, regardless of what party you stand for, if President Obama would have done half and said half the stuff that half. President Trump, he would have been booted so fast. They would have assassinated him. They would have hung yeah. him, literally hung him. <laughs> so um, I, I think a person's character does matter. Um, and as you can see, man, we allow there are so many people. That we're able to just, and I'm not, look, you, folks, if you know me, you know my voting and my policies, ideologies, and worldviews on things. Um, but, man, people turned so many blind eyes when it came to President Trump and his character because of his policies, right? Uh, it was like a lot of Christians did, too. It's like, man, <laughs> well, what, is, what does Christian mean? You know what I mean? And so it was like, oh, well, we don't need this, this. But does a mm -hmm. president's character matter? I, I would say, yes, it does. Um, and it matters a lot. It matters a lot for people that don't know policies. It matters, uh, yeah. you know, and are young and they're just trying to, you know, young people for that matter. Let's look at the kids. Mm -hmm. A person's character is everything. You know, when they see you out here with a, a, a Grinch type of smile on your face every day, they're not going to be as apt in receiving you. So a person, and when they hear you say certain things, um, essentially you are shaping um, their mm -hmm. thoughts on things. You are molding um, their thoughts on things. And if their parents are saying that this behavior is okay, guess what? They're going to look at you as being our president and they're going to want to be like you. They're going to want to talk like you. They're going to want to do the things that you do and think that it's okay. And it's not because a person's character is everything. If you don't like putting all money aside, putting all, you know, religion aside, putting all our own personal bias, a character is a lot. You know, I'm not, I don't want to be around people that have bad characters. Like, I'm not going to want to be seen with you. Money is not everything. It's a lot of things, but it's not everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so a person character means a lot. No, I couldn't have said it better. I would say <clears throat> just my initial, my, just to preface everything, you know, we don't disclose, you know, politics, political choices and things like that. For all we know, either of us could have voted for Trump or not whether we agree or disagree. So we that's ambiguous. You know, we won't discuss or give suggestions as to which political person you could. If you like Biden, that's good. If you like Trump, so on and so forth. Okay. My standpoint is, yes, it's not even a question for me that character matters. I do think that, I do think that there have been a lot of passes that were given to our president. I do think he got a lot more passes uh, from his political party. 
obviously the Democrats, every they went to the opposite extreme where they everything he would say or do was wrong. And I don't agree with that because there mm-hmm. were some times that I did agree with things that he said. Right. Shocker. But there were certain times where I didn't just look down and say or he you could clearly tell he was joking and they'll go to the the most highest extreme and be like, oh, my goodness, he said he said oh, he do this say something in passing and they would take it to the highest extreme as well. Yeah, You know, the man was joking. You know, the guy has, you know, a, tw- a twisted sense of humor in the sense that like he'll say speak his mind, which m- no, you can't name too many politicians that have done that. And I think that's what appealed to people was that he appealed to a demographic that wanted more realness. And I wouldn't even the word realness. I'm using very loosely. So please follow me when I say that they wanted somebody who was more real and authentic to who they are versus someone who was trying to be something that other everybody else wants. But the sad reality is that's exactly what it. that's the irony is he did play yeah. a role of what people wanted. He wasn't being completely true to himself. He didn't. It was a lot of things that he had differences of opinions on. He had a different view of abortion. He had a different. Some people argued there was times where he was a Democrat. Like it was a lot of different things that come <laughs> into play. But he, in in essence, pandered to what yeah. was wanted from. And I'm and uh, the re, the big issue that we have from a church worldview of, of President Trump, I believe, is we get too many people get caught up in the religious right of america and a religious right is there's a lot of toxic aspects to it because again the name of it if you're a christian the name should already caution you the religious right why would you want to be a part of the religious right that sounds like some pharisee type like oh that's an actual name for people they're called themselves the religious right yeah that's what they that's what they call that was a huge concept that was that came into play around the days of Ronald Reagan, where they had this voters block that they referred to as the religious right. Basically, people because there was a time, believe it or not, that we talked about the conversation of systematic racism. And we also talked about uh, legislating morality. But there was a time, believe it or not, where Christians and conservatives did not really care about abortion. But guess what? They came up with this concept and ideology of the religious right where they had specific things that they wanted Christians to fight for. And they and used the Ronald Reagan to bring up to pr- create a platform for this new block called the religious right. And wow. the, the main things they cared about was obviously religious freedom. They cared about Israel and all that stuff. And they cared about abortion. And so that became a voters block. And so what happened was the Republican Party had to pander. They begin to pander to that group. And that's my issue. It's a very poor faith type of way that I think a lot of Republicans look at Christians. They're looking at them and they dangle these different things. They're dangling Roe versus Wade. But then when they're in a debate, what does President Trump say? He says, oh, Roe versus Wade, that's not on the table. What do you mean yeah, it's that's, on it? That's yeah. not on a docket. Basically, yeah. and then even the new judge that they put in place, she says she doesn't foresee overturning it. But that was a huge matter for Christians, this wanting that overturned. So my point in saying all of this is a lot of uh, things that are done in poor faith. It's not really done. Like a lot of their political moves are not done because they really have these strong convictions as Christians. They pander. And that was my biggest issue when it comes to. So when we're talking about character with the president, I do think it matters, but I think the reason why it matters is because you have to be an example. And I'm not saying President 
Obama was the perfect example. I'm not saying Bush was the president. Bush was the perfect example. We know (laughs) that uh, Bill Clinton wasn't a good example. These are all poor. uh, Like in one way or another, you can pick them apart for however you see them. Some people felt that President Obama didn't have enough backbone and that he wasn't a strong enough man to lead. Like that was a huge criticism. And I don't agree with that, but that was a huge criticism was that he didn't have enough backbone, that he was afraid of ISIS and all these different things that he just didn't really have the grit to stand as the leader. But somehow Trump does. And people believe President Trump, they looked at him as an authoritative authoritative figure that would stand. And to them, for the most part, he at least gave that impression, even to his base to this point. Think about it. Even you know, it's by all accounts, it's looking like he's not going to be able to make up those votes that he thinks were fraudulent. It looks like he's not going to make up that ground. It looks like these votes are looking legitimate. It looks like uh, Joe Biden will be the next president. But, you know, President Trump, he really believes that he won. <laughs> like, he really believes that he won it. And he's really going out of his way to fight it and whatnot. But, but the main point that I'm getting at when it comes to the character of a president is we need people that are in positions of leadership that have a heart to serve. And I'm not saying that I don't know that Biden is that either. I don't, I'm not co-signing him either, but at the very least, sometimes you look at it and you say, some people use the quote, it's better, you know, to go with the devil, you know, than the devil you don't know. (laughs) Biden's been in politics for 47 years and you pretty much know what to expect from him. He was just the vice president with Obama. You know what to expect from him. He is the, the quote unquote devil that you know. And that's not great. I don't think he's he's just the status quo. I don't think that's great. Which is why I didn't vote for him. But, you know, the, in this case, we have two devils that you know. Which devil is going to be the worst? Yep. And, and that's why people believe in, like, they say, well, the Republican par- the party has a lot of Christian uh, things that they are still protecting and fighting for. So they're still fighting for several Christian things, even if I don't agree with everything, even if I don't agree with the character of Trump. And that's fine. I respect that opinion. But I don't think it should be a, if you just voted because you believe that his character, it does matter, but not to the extent to where you feel like we need a different party in there that won't fight for those things, which might make it harder for you to practice your faith. Like some people believe Oh, once and it might be the case, but once President Biden is in here, there's going to be more shutdowns, more persecution of the church. If you hold that broad view, it's a lot of people that really believe it's going to be worse as far as that. And they don't trust the leadership. They don't want more things closing down. They don't want more businesses shutting down. I don't know what that's going to look like. What we can do is pray for certain. But my thing is, for me personally, I can't look to a man that's the president who doesn't hold himself in that type of honor. And I, and as a minister, I just put myself in a position as a minister. If a pastor acted that way, like you would never want any leader in your church acting the way Trump acts. And to turn a blind eye to that, I'm not saying don't pray for him. I'm not saying don't pray for anybody. Definitely pray for him. But to turn a blind eye to that, he should have, the reality is a lot of people fell asleep during the Republican primaries. He should have never made it that far. There were other yeah. candidates that actually had relations who did espouse the Bible. Like there were guys, I think like, and I'm not saying he's great, but like uh, Rubio is a known Christian, but there were Christians on that platform who you could have put in place who would have actually 
held up the level of integrity that you would like. They're not perfect. I'm not saying anybody was a perfect candidate, but there were definitely guys that were better than him that still would have held up those things. And so that's what I would push for is, you know, if you want to vote Republican, if you want whatever you want to vote, independent or whatever, does their character hold up in a way that you can point to them? Like, I don't know how you can truly point to a man and use them as an example for your children. I couldn't use him as an example for my children to say, this is a good leader in this regard. There may be some areas that I'm like, yeah, I, I did like his leadership here, but no, by and large, there are too many character flaws. And there was a lot of, they gave a lot of passes to him and I'm not giving him those passes personally. I wouldn't give those, they would have never gave those passes to Obama. And yeah, you could say my bias is because he's black in that way, but I just know as a black man, there's certain freedom, oh, man. It, yes. it must be nice, is all I say. It must right. be nice. If you know, you know, he would have never gotten those opportunities. He wouldn't have made hey, it past four. What, he wear like a brown suit one time or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like a khaki or whatever color suit. Man, and they, they murdered him. Oh, man. They murdered him for a suit. Not for what he said. Not for, what he did, not for necessarily what he did, what he wore. Yeah, not for the tweets he put out. But man, this world, man, crazy times. So, dude, what you think? You think we didn't cover our topics pretty fairly well here? I don't know, man. We gotta let the we gotta let the viewers and listeners be the judge, man. But I think I think we have some heavy topics, and I think, man, at the end of the day, we I'm sure we went against the grain of what the world expects, and so that's really all that matters to me. <laughs> that's it, right there, man. So, thank you all for checking in with us and listening with talks against the grain. We'll see you next time.